And so I said, I ask, um, as a good teacher, would, a good teacher would do, I ask a question. I said, have you formatted your disc? Um, again, you all are old. That's, yeah, that's way back. I got that one too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a five, a quarter, five and a quarter inch floppy disc, and you had to format those before you yeah. could use them. And she said no, so I formatted her disc. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the G3 Podcast, man. Thanks for asking me. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Thanks for man. joining us. Absolutely. Um, go yeah. ahead, uh, go ahead, dude. You can introduce him. You know him. Yeah. Um, so having Dr. Dirk Nelson on the podcast today, and y'all might be asking, like, how do y'all know? Uh, dean of the College of Nursing and Health Sciences, um, and y'all are like, how do how do y'all know this awesome guy? Mm -hmm. uh, originally, I believe we met in was it epidemiology. Uh, that course you taught health promotion health promotion yep. health okay promotion. Mm -hmm. so health promotion you taught that class mm -hmm. uh and then i'll let you take it from there introduce yourself um just a little bit of your background where you are where you're where you came from where you're yeah. going type of a thing yeah so. well i hope to give you a little bit of context uh first of all i am at wt i serve as the dean of the college of nursing health sciences i've been there for 12 years now wow. uh, but before that i started my uh, uh, professional career my academic career uh, back in 1989 mm -hmm. as an assistant professor at, at the time it was called missouri southern state college it's now missouri southern state university in joplin Okay. Uh, and then just three years into my career, I became a department head. So, uh, so I got into administration nice. very, very early wow. um, and found that I enjoy that. But it's important for me to continue to teach as well. And mm -hmm. so even though I've been a dean for a long time, administrator for a long, long time, I still enjoy teaching for all kinds of reasons. Yep. Uh, I spent 10 years there, and then I spent uh, four years at a small private university in East Texas called Letourneau. And I was responsible for some different initiatives. I was the assistant vice president for academic affairs. Mm -hmm. So it took me out of the day-to-day -day teaching, the day-to-day -day education aspect. And I got into things like advising, student retention, um, accreditation, some of those kinds of issues. Uh, then I had an opportunity to become a department chair at the University of Central Missouri in Warrensburg. And yeah. it, was, it was called the, uh, the Department of Health and Human Performance. Okay. So I was responsible for a lot of different disciplines, athletic training, hotel restaurant administration, mm. dietetics, wow. exercise science, health sciences, uh, recreation, tourism, uh, and enjoyed that period of time. Uh, was Did some important initiatives I think that I'm very, very proud of, especially from a bricks and mortar standpoint. Um, but I'd been not yet been a dean, and, yeah. and so yeah. near the end of my career, and it, I was there for seven years. And then so I saw a dean position open up at West Texas A&M. Had, had been to Texas, but never been to the Panhandle. Yeah. And I read the position different. announcement, read the description. Mm. I thought, you know what? I, th I think that might just be a fit. So I applied and <laughs> give it a shot. Voila, 2010. I end up here um, in, uh, in the Panhandle of Texas. Um, I've been married to my wife, Rinda, for 33 years. We have two children. Alex uh, will be 32 in a couple months. Our daughter, Emily, will be 30 later this summer. Rinda works for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. Okay. She is the statewide director of an initiative that's called better living for texans wow okay and so she provides uh, nutrition wellness education uh for people throughout the state uh our son alex is an it specialist he also works with the texas and AM agri life okay. extension service there you go uh and then emily is a phd candidate at the university of uh texas in austin nice sweet mm -hmm. yeah. heck yeah it's an awesome family mm -hmm. like awesome people breeding more awesome people <laughs> that's awesome um and I want to touch on this real quick. Uh, so we've talked and talked on past episodes uh, just about failure, some of the failure mm -hmm. we've ex or yeah. perceived failure in the moment anyways. Mm -hmm. um, 
from our past. And uh, going through high school, I feel like I was working really hard at certain things mm -hmm. and not necessarily getting the, um, the reward or reaping the benefits from it that I wish that I would have or that I thought mm -hmm. I should have. Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of introduce the impact that you had on my life. Uh, so I went from like working really hard and not really getting any, um, recognition for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just carried that over into WT and I think it was like beginning of my sophomore year. Uh, you brought me aside and you're like, Hey, this is kind of something we've got going on. It's the student advisory council. Mm -hmm. uh, this is kind of what y'all do. Is this something you're interested in? It's, Pretty prestigious thing. Uh, Twelve students from the college are selected to come here mm -hmm. uh, or to come to this council and do it. Mm -hmm. And that was like, it was super encouraging to me because for so long I'd been working really hard and not seeing, not reaping the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. And finally, like pretty early into my college career, I got that. And that's, that really gave me the, the push, the gumption, the, um, and I think the push is the best way to put that mm -hmm. to keep going forward because mm -hmm. to go on to graduate school and to finish graduate school and mm -hmm. uh, become a physical therapist. Yeah. So this guy made a huge, huge impact on my life yeah, and yeah. Like the direction that it went. So mm -hmm. thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. no it's easy to see that uh, leadership ability that you had. Yeah. Uh, the whole notion of the student advisory council was something I actually was involved with as an undergraduate student mm -hmm. uh, when I attended Montana state university in Bozeman. And I was asked to be on a group like that. And I think it's important for me as, um, as an administrator to get as much feedback, uh, to find out as much about what's going on in the college as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe the most salient feedback, the most salient information in that regard comes from students. Yeah. And so we wanted to put a, a group of students together um, who, would be, who could be leaders, who would be leaders, mm -hmm. who would share with us information, who would also share information with students. I yeah. think students leading students and students learning from students should be a big part of one's education. Yeah. Uh, and so we've had that initiative going on for a number of years now, and they help not only in terms of uh, uh, giving information about the college, but then recruiting additional students when we mm -hmm. have Discover WT or when we have a new student orientation. Oftentimes our student advisory councils are, are involved with that. Yeah. And then now we have not only a student advisory council for the campus students, but we've gotten into a lot of online education as well. Okay. Uh, and so we have a group of uh, student advisory council yeah. members that, that are all online for, for, with some of our programs. So it works out both ways. Cool. Heck yeah. I have a question though. Sure. So you said that, uh, I mean, you've all, you've been in education for a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, what, I guess, what keeps you coming back just every year? You're like, man, I'm excited to do this again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because you've been doing it for so long. A lot of people get burned out and go, I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. So what, 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 I guess, what keeps you there? What makes you so excited to come back? Yeah, I could probably answer that in a lot of different ways. Um, first of all, I, I love learning. Okay. Uh, I, I was a, always a pretty good student, maybe not necessarily the best student, mm -hmm. but I learned very quickly um, that I just enjoyed learning about a wide range of things. And there was kind of a joy for learning or joy mm -hmm. of learning. And uh, I felt very blessed, very fortunate that I came to that conclusion pretty early mm -hmm. in my life. And, um, and when I was, uh, and I knew I wanted to go to college. Um, uh, in fact, I'd been looking forward to college for a long, long time, even mm -hmm. since I was a young child. <laughs> and so I went to, um, and there, there were probably 15 or 20 different things I think I could have studied and would have enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, uh, awesome. And uh, my major had changed. Not, uh, that's not too uncommon, you know, two or three times. I was just trying to be curious and try to find out what's, uh, you know, what's my niche. Um, what's going to pique my curiosity the most. Okay. And uh, so I finally found a gentleman. I had studied, uh, I could have studied history. I think I could have studied um, 
um, earth science. I was very interested in geology and geography <laughs> and meteorology and those kinds just of things. Overall curious. Uh, yeah, just there was just lots of little things that interested me. But I came across a gentleman uh, while I was at Montana State, and he was an exercise physiologist. And I'd always enjoyed mathematics. I always enjoyed science, kind of enjoyed the human body. And I thought, you know, I wonder why I had no idea what that was all about. Anyway, so I met Dr. Schwarzkopf, who became my advisor. He was an exercise physiologist, and he was very, very influential uh, mm-hmm. to me. And, um, and at the time, I wanted to go into a clinical setting. I was thinking about maybe phys- using my exercise science background to become a physical therapist, occupational therapist. And I just about settled on becoming a uh, cardiac rehabilitation specialist. So I would work with people that had heart attacks and strokes and help them from a a recovery standpoint. Uh, And so I went to graduate school, came back home, uh, quote unquote home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Home was just just Kansas. So I went to the University of Kansas for graduate school. And I was in a human biodynamics class. And one of my teaching heroes, turned out my teaching hero, uh, a gentleman named Tom Thomas, taught the course. Mm -hmm. And he came into the class one day and he read a a position announcement and it was a position announcement for a faculty line um i remember this point day it was in um, um carney state college which is now the university of nebraska at carney oh, and wow. <laughs> this person would read or this person would teach the exercise sciences and literally and then he just put the note away and then started talking about class and in between when he started reading that announcement until we was finished i had man that's an epiphany i thought that's what i'm going to do mm-hmm. I, I want i want to be a t- i've always enjoyed learning I just going. I want to be around students uh, henceforth, and so I changed from more of a clinical scope to a, to a teaching scope, hmm. and uh, just set off on that path. And you're right; I've been doing this since 1989, which is a long time. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you, this, you know, uh, sometimes you fail, and sometimes you got to kind of pull yourself up a little bit. And there are times when it can get a little mundane, a little old, uh, a little bit routine. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I try to do is discover what's not routine and what's not mundane about mm-hmm. what it is that I do. And I think there's something to be said for anybody in that regard. And so, what's not mundane and what's not old about a university career is you always have new students. That's true. Yeah. Uh, you always have, uh, there's always a constant, there's always one more thing to do. That's kind of, that's a line <laughs> from one of my favorite movies. And so I keep that in mind. Um, and you can, you can become enthusiastic. You can find something yeah. new. You can find, you can always learn. Um, there's, there's always more things to learn, um, either about yourself, uh, about others, mm-hmm. about what you do professionally, uh, about how you fit in this world. Uh, and so that's what keeps me going uh, yeah. is the idea of trying to find some way where I can make a positive difference in somebody else's life. And for me, the best way to do that is through what I do uh, as an educator yeah. and as an administrator on a college campus. That's, yeah. pretty, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. That's solid. Mission accomplished. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. you accomplished that mission on a yearly basis. So for, so. Up, to, for up to me, I think I've got about 12 more years left in me uh, <laughs> professionally. And that's what I want to do. There you that's go. what I want to do. Yeah. Just carry it on out. That's crazy. So talk to us a little bit. You went to graduate school at Kansas State, Mm -hmm. you said? University of Kansas. University of Kansas. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what did you get your terminal degree or degrees in? My, um, um, first of all, my baccalaureate degree from Montana State is in physical education slash exercise science. That's what it says on my transcript. I have a master's of science in education, an MSED from the University of Kansas. It's in physical education slash exercise science. Okay. Uh, my PhD is in education okay. uh, from KU. Okay. And so during my doctorate studies, um, I um, had courses and experiences way beyond the exercise sciences. So yeah. I, um, 
the philosophy of education and I took some administration types of courses and how to develop curricula um, needed to take some foreign language courses so so that's that really broadened me um, at that point and as it turned out I think that was uh, very serendipitous because that helped prepare me to become uh, an administrator yeah mm-hmm. awesome yeah. so what would you tell like so my background a little bit which we just met so you don't know this but I didn't go to college mm-hmm. um, Seth didn't I don't I guess you didn't go to college either mm-hmm. but so like I was always on the fence I just wanted to play sports mm-hmm. And so at the end of the, when, at the end of the day, I didn't get a scholarship, and I thought, well, man, I guess school's not for me. I'll just go to work, mm-hmm. which is fine. A lot of people absolutely do that. it is. Yeah. But like, what would you say to somebody that maybe on that fence a little bit? What would you oh, what would your recommendation be for those kids that are just now about to graduate high school and they may not know and they're trying to decide what to do? Yeah. Uh, first thing I'm going to tell them is what I would tell um, any of my faculty members: um, ask questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think the best teachers are not necessarily the individuals who provide the best answers. To me, okay. the best teachers are the ones who ask the best questions. And so similarly, I think if a student's trying to decide, uh, do I want to go to college? Do I not want to go to college? Do I want to start a career? What's that career going to be? What do mm-hmm. I want to study in college? What uh, are there institutions out there that are going to allow me to play sports or be involved mm-hmm. in theater or whatever the case might be? Just start asking questions. Um, we all have devices sitting right in front of us. We can, we have billions of pages of information that are available yeah. to us. We can contact anybody just about anywhere within a matter of 30, 45, 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so start doing a little bit of digging, uh, being curious, in, not only in yourself, but a willingness to ask questions, a willingness to listen to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of experts out there. Uh, there are a lot of people who are willing to help. Uh, I know this is a little bit anecdotal, but even this week, I had just uh, three or four, um, I want to say random, but I'll use that term, random emails uh, from prospective students uh, that are working in some capacity or they're at uh, some other institution and they're trying to find out who they are. Uh, mm-hmm. What do I want to become? Uh, what's the difference in becoming a um, physician's assistant versus a nurse practitioner? I'll just use that as a quick example because that's one of the ones that was asked of me this week. And so I'm more than happy to sit down and, and respond. We had some very nice email exchanges, uh, yeah. uh, and I can give them guidance. I've been doing this for a long, long time. Right, right. Uh, so I've got a little bit of uh, background to, to bring to that. But if I don't know something, um, they've asked a good question, and I don't know the answer. Well, as a good teacher... Uh, as a good learner, I'm going to find out what that answer is, or I'm going mm-hmm. to direct that person to somebody that can help them out. So just start asking questions yeah. and just doing a little bit of listening. Uh, ask questions of professionals. Ask questions of friends. Ask questions of family members. Yeah. Uh, I think sooner or later, somebody's going to find that niche. Uh, they're going to find that whatever it is, whether it be school, whether it be professional, whether it be uh, you fill in the blank, uh, and that's the ticket for them. But just keep right. asking questions and continuing to learn, I think, is, is really important yeah. in that regard. So you're the dean of a college. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a lot of people that answer to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you kind of just touched on, you resource out to a lot of people. You delegate things out. Mm-hmm. How do you find it? How do you find time in your daily uh, work with your da- daily workload to answer questions from all these prospective students? Uh, because it's not required of you. Like you don't have to do that, no. but that's something you choose to do. So no. do you set aside, like, I'll let you go ahead with that. No, that's absolutely right. I mean, I could farm all that stuff out to somebody else immediately. Yeah. Um, similarly, I could farm out the notion that I teach a class. I could, yeah. I could ask one of my colleagues to do that. Right. Um, but I don't because it's a priority. 
it's important for me. It's important for me to continue to teach. And when I have a prospective student or if there's something that I can address that I feel I can be the best person at addressing that particular issue, uh, then I'm very high in responsibility. That's one of my strengths. So I'm going to assume the responsibility to do just that. Uh, But I think I'm also pretty savvy at realizing when I'm out of my league. Yeah. Uh, and if there's a specific question or a problem or an issue, uh, and I may not be necessarily the best one that can address it, um, then I'm going to find one of my colleagues and I'm going to know my colleagues well enough. Yeah. Uh, then I know that person is going to be the best, uh, to solve that particular issue, address that problem or respond to a question, whatever it might happen to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned sports a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never, uh, I'd been involved in sports. I played football when I was in college at Montana okay. state. Um, never really had the desire to be a coach. Um, not necessarily a not sure why some of the most influential people in my life were coaches yeah. uh, and our coaches uh, along with some teachers. Um, but a good coach is an individual not only knows the sport, knows the skills, um, knows how to train, knows um, strategy, mm-hmm. um, but they know how to put a team together. Okay. They know they very good at identifying strengths um, and using uh, a person's experience and strengths and desires and goals. And they can match those up with whatever role they want that or position in right, terms right. of a sports team. Uh, they want that individual to be. Uh, and I think I have that same kind of ability. Uh, I can, I, I'm big on strengths. I'm, and, I, and, and it's incumbent upon me to know those that I serve. Uh, and when you know those that you serve, you know what their desires and what their goals and what their strengths are. And so one of the, you know, a leader, an administrator can have just about any kind of personality profile. They can come back, have just about any kind of experience or background. Um, but to me, the best leaders are ones who know how to find people that complement who they are and what it is they do and where that organization needs to go mm-hmm. and puts those people in a position to be successful. Right. Because that's their strength and that's who they are. Yeah. I think a lot Solid. of those in that book, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership that he kind of mm-hmm. says that find the people that can complement your weaknesses. Yeah. But a lot of people see that as more of like competition um, or mm-hmm. the poor leaders, not a lot of people, but mm-hmm. a lot of the people that, mm-hmm. you know, act like they're leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, they, they're, they're nervous. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm not very good at that. So I don't want to hire somebody that's good at that. Cause they're gonna make me look bad. Mm-hmm. No, to, to me, well, there's a little bit of humility involved mm-hmm. uh, and a recognition, yeah. you know, I'm not good at that and that's okay. Right. Uh, but I know somebody who is, uh, and I'm going to find that person. I'm going to put him, put them in that position, uh, because then they can be successful who they are. Right. Uh, and it just helps what whoever our constituents are, and in my case, it's students. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. helps the whole team. Absolutely does. Yeah, absolutely. So does. how do headphones you... are falling back yeah. your head, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something. <laughs> We're losing them. I got it. We got. It. <laughs> um, so how do you? Because it takes a certain degree or a certain amount of confidence, I think, to be humble or to have humility. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you develop that? How do you come across that? No substitute for practice. Okay. Yeah. Um, no substitute for um, recognizing the bigger picture. Um, what happens in my case in the College of Nursing Health Sciences um, is way beyond me. Uh, and so what's my mantra is it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, it's what's in the best interest of the students. And okay. so, so when you focus on that, uh, I think it's, it's easier to put aside um, my strengths, my weaknesses, uh, my successes, my failures, mm-hmm. and just focus on what's in the best interest of the students. And so if you, that, to me, that's my big mantra. Um, and if I can stay focused on that, which I've learned to do, 
um, then all these other issues are secondary and tertiary at best uh, because like it, it, it comes out to um, what we want to do is to attract students, to keep students, and to graduate students. Right. Uh, and if you just focus on that one mantra, you know, focus on one or two things, mm-hmm. um, I think you can stay um, pretty humble. Uh, you can recognize who you are as an individual, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. Uh, put a team together, uh, and if and as long as they're on that same mantra, they're on that yeah, same yeah. theme. Um, I think you can have a pretty successful organization then. Right. Mm-hmm. And do you have a question? No, go for it. Um, you say like mantra is what's best for the students. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what guides your decision making yep. moving mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you determine what's best for the students? Because that's a pretty big role to take on, or it's a pretty big task to take on. Mm-hmm. How do you determine the best? Does mm-hmm. that come from experience, education, combination of a bunch of different things? I think, I think all the aforementioned, okay. I think all the aforementioned, um, you have to know the students, uh, you have to know where they're coming from, uh, what their backgrounds are, what their needs are. Right. You have to have a willingness also, uh, to be able to visit with students or counsel students or guide students and realize that the disciplines for which I'm responsible, that may not be their niche. Yeah. And so again, it comes back to a little bit of humility, a little bit of recognition of, you know, I'm in this for whatever is in the best interest of the student. So if I can counsel or if I can guide somebody mm-hmm. and ha- get them to recognize, you know what, becoming a nurse or becoming a physical therapist or becoming a physical education teacher or becoming a speech language pathologist, all those things are in my college, right. that's not in their best interest. Hey, then I can counsel her and guide them to become somebody, something yeah. else or do something else. Yeah. And I can feel just as good about that mm-hmm. uh, as I can if they were to enroll in one of the programs in our college. Sure, I'm interested in enrollment. I'd like for our enrollment to go up. I, those, yeah, right. the, all right. those things are important indices yeah. and indicators of success. Um, but it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. Yeah, so yeah. you just stay, stay focused on the needs of the student and a willingness to help them um, wherever that may lead them. Right. Uh, and wherever that may take them. I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not what necessarily you want them in your college, right. of sure. course. Oh, but, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But no. if it's not their interest, then don't force it. Then I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, want yeah. it because that's, that's not in their best interest. Yeah. And we kind of talked about that a little bit with my dad earlier mm-hmm. was about the same thing, me going to school or no school. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to force it either way. Cause if your heart's not in it, you're never going to be good at it. That's right. That's yeah. right. So I like that too. Yeah. When, cool. when we have a, a discover WT, for example, and I meet prospective students, uh, sophomores or juniors in high school, and they're still trying to decide where I want to go to college. Do I want to go here to what do I want to study? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I tell them, and it, it comes across almost like an oxymoron, but I tell them uh, when I introduce the college and introduce who I am and those kinds of things, I tell them, I, I want this. Uh, thank you for coming. Um, and I want this day and I want to be able to help you make the best decision for you. And if that means in our case, coming to WT, great. If that means going somewhere else and if that's in your best interest, then I think that's great too. We've had a successful day. It's been a good visit. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I respect that. I think that's cool. And I think when you're truly putting, so in your, in your situation, truly putting the student's needs first, Mm -hmm. uh, in my situation, when I'm truly putting patient's needs Mm -hmm. first, Mm -hmm. um, when you're really doing that, it allows you to look through a more clear lens Mm -hmm. um, that allows that best to come out. I don't, that's when you have humility, when you're humble, Mm -hmm. when you're not, when you're putting your um, selfish needs and desires aside, then you can really see what is best for Mm -hmm. students or what is best for patients or Tanner in your case, what is best for customers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's tough. Yeah. So like, um, as a dean of the college, obviously we keep referencing this, <laughs> but it's lead, it's a leadership role, right? Mm-hmm. So what are the, some of the things I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. um, as a younger 
trying to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that you would uh, coach us up on and say like, hey, man, when I was 25, 26 years old, I struggled with this. Let me help. Let me save you the headache. This is kind of what I learned. Mm-hmm. What are some things like some nuggets you could give us on leadership that you think? Oh, uh, there, there would probably be a lot. Yeah. Uh, and Go I'll, for so it. So I'll try to highlight a couple. <laughs> um, first of all, oftentimes leadership um, – I mentioned this a moment ago. It, you know, it doesn't matter what your personality is. You know, a lot of people think a leader's got to be some kind of extrovert and they have to, mm. um, you know, be some kind of general kind of yeah. attitude or I'm the CEO of you fill in the blank corporation mm-hmm. that's um, going to go out and, um, you know, charge of the light brigade kind of thing. And, and a successful leader can, can have that um, attitude, can have that trait or have that characteristic. But leaders can also be very quiet and pensive and, and thoughtful. So, right. so leaders come in all kinds of personality traits. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would tell somebody. So somebody might think, well, I'm, uh, cause I tend to be very introverted. I'm naturally, okay. I'm a very, very introverted person. And traditionally you'd think, well, an introvert's not going to be a leader because they're just passive and they're a recipient of information and they're not gregarious and they're not outgoing. And I, I think nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, mm-hmm. there are many examples of, of, of great leaders, um, significant people that have accomplished uh, tremendous things for society uh, that have been just about any personality profile you can, right, you can right. match. So, so first of all, learn who you are and learn what your strengths are. Okay. And then utilize those strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, quick I, interject. How do you learn who you are? Like, how do you recommend people listening? Well, mm-hmm. how do I know who I am? How do I learn who I am? What kind of leader I can be. I think there would be a lot of ways to do that. Uh, be as well read as you can. Yeah. Um, and I think read, read biographies. If you find somebody, a, a personality that you th- might find interesting, somebody in the past that you might want to learn a little mm-hmm. bit more about. Um, I've done that. Uh, I, I read not a, most of my readings, not biographies, but I do read some biographies. Mm-hmm. I'm reading one right now on Calvin Coolidge. Okay. Uh, and he was referred to a silent cow because he was an introvert. <laughs> Well, I wanted to really learn about Calvin Coolidge because who am I? I'm kind of silent Dirk. I, I tend <laughs> to be, you know, I tend to be quiet, and uh, so I'm going to read about him. And he became president of the United States. Okay, that sounds great, and was was recognized and utilized that strength um, or utilized that personality trait as a, as an introvert, but he was outstanding as a listener, yeah. and I and I take a lot of pride in that. I'm very yeah. good at listening, That's and cool. usually when you think of communication, you think of expressing, and I think I'm pretty solid at that too. But to me, uh, listening and a willingness to sit and be patient with people mm-hmm. and recognize that all of your constituents are going to be different and you want them to be different. Like we talked about a, little, yeah, a moment ago, to, yeah. uh, you, you want a wide variety of personalities and experiences. Uh, you want a, a diverse range of experiences and worldviews in your organization because yeah. and then you allow those to, to manifest themselves. You allow those to be utilized. Uh, and the way that I can do that, I think best is by listening to them, finding out what their needs are. Um, and then I take a lot of, um, uh, pride in being kind of an idea person. Mm-hmm. Uh, good ideas come from a lot of ideas. Uh, some ideas are good ones. That's great. Some ideas are bad ones. That's fine yeah. too. Let's put those aside. Trial by fire. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And so, so you combine all of that then with having a little bit of a long range plan, uh, so okay. in my case, where do I want the college to be when I came here 12 years ago? Where do I want the college to be 10 years from now? Right. I'm 12 years into this. Where do I want the college to be 10 years from now? Yeah. Uh, so having that as a goal and knowing what we need to shoot for, knowing where we need to go, 
And how does that long-term plan come about? Again, I think it's by listening. It's hmm. that long. We have a strategic plan. We have a generational plan in the college. The university does as well. Well, how'd that come to fruition? Is that mine? No, it's because yeah. I've talked to my constituents and I've talked to the faculty and staff and right. I listen to them and I listen to people in the community and I try to get a sense of where the university is going as a whole, mm-hmm. um, not only within the context of the campus itself, but external to the, co- to the campus. Um, and so how can we best impact this region in terms of the healthcare services and the educational services that we provide? You, you just absorb a lot of information. And then based on that information, you develop a plan. Right. And then however, whatever your strengths and passions and abilities are, utilize those uh, to try to achieve that plan or try to achieve mm-hmm. that goal. Um, there's a lot of, um, I don't know if this is in other industry or not, but there's a lot to be said for ah, shared governance. That's the phrase I was looking mm-hmm. for. And um, to me, it's just it's shared governance is sharing ideas. Okay. And then when your constituents know that you're sincere about that. Now, some of them, um, some, like I said earlier, some of their ideas I'm not going to use. I'm just not. Some of the ideas I am going to use. Right, right. And that takes a little bit of time yep. uh, for them to develop that mutual trust and mutual mm-hmm. understanding. Uh, your constituents have to, have to get a, um, what's your vibe? You know, who am I? Yeah, yeah. Um, because, um, and that just takes time. Uh, that, that notion of, of developing trust and understanding, um, I don't think there's a quick fix for that. Right. Yeah. And so being a good leader is like knowing who you are, what your strengths are. Um, and, and knowing those that you serve. Yeah. Yeah. That's very Absolutely. Good. I like that. Knowing your team. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you walk into the room. Yeah. And then being a really good listener. I, um, I'm, I think I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> so I'm, that's, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to capitalize on that because, because yeah. I, I do think that's a strength that I have. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a big overarching thing a big overarching question we're curious about um you have teachers you have students Mm -hmm. really any anywhere and everywhere you go you're going to have that to some degree whether it's labeled that or not Mm -hmm. mentor apprentice Mm -hmm. you can go on Mm -hmm. um so what allows that interaction that relationship to be the most productive or the most beneficial Mm -hmm. what is the teacher responsible for what is the student responsible for and what makes the most synergistic um, result. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you might recall this from health promotion back X number of years ago. You'll probably have to jog my memory because it's be. been a minute. <laughs> and it probably was the first day of class, um, which I think may be the most important day of a class is the first one. Uh, but I explain my teaching philosophy the very first day of class. And one of the things that is very important for me, again, because it matches who I am, mm-hmm. but then it also matches what, how strongly I feel about the education process. Uh, and that is that when I walk into a classroom, uh, this semester I have 50 students. When I walk into that classroom, I don't see it as one teacher and 50 students. Mm. To me, that classroom is 51 students and it's 51 teachers. Hmm. Uh, you can learn a couple of, by a couple of strategies. One, learn by being taught as what happens in almost all classrooms. And there's information that needs to be learned and the information needs to be memorized and skills that need to be learned and skills that need to be memorized and competencies that need to be checked. And all that's great. And that comes under the auspices or comes under the guidance or it may come strictly from a teacher. But the best outcome of from a class is not mm, that information is memorized uh, because 
memorized information is going to go away quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not that a certain competency can be checked off, although that's important uh, professionally. That's important from an accreditation standpoint. But to me, the most important outcome of a class is that somehow that student's curiosity has been piqued to where they become their own self-discoverer. They become right, their right. own best teacher. That's good. Yeah. And that's what, an, to me, that's what a true classroom, true education experience is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and we've got a long way. When I say we, I know that's a big pronoun. We in education, whether it be from children all the way up through PhDs, yeah. uh, we've got a long ways to go in that regard. Yeah. Uh, right now, the majority of, of education from pre-K through doctorate work uh, is didactic. It's, it's memorization. It's a talking head in class. And there's not anything inherently wrong with that. And in fact, that may be a necessary prerequisite to get a student um, to realize uh, that he or she is her own, or his or her own best teacher and then pique their curiosity and get a sense of joy of learning mm-hmm. where they want to continue to learn and they want to continue to grow. And when we can get to that point, uh, to me, then that's, that's a solid class and that's, that's a solid ex- education experience. Yeah. yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting because look, I look up to you so much. And uh, mm-hmm. one of my professors from UTMB, uh, another individual that I look up to greatly, mm-hmm. um, a lot of students got upset with her because she wouldn't provide a black and white answer. She had be asked a question and a black and white answer wasn't given. Um, but what she gave was far more valuable than a black or white answer mm-hmm. because what she gave was to them was the ability to think. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of the individuals that ended up in PT school are very like type A personalities, mm-hmm. like I need bullet points, I need this, one plus one equals two mm-hmm. type of thinking. A lot of the students in my class got upset, but for the students who are more like abstract thinkers, mm-hmm. um, we're really grateful for it mm-hmm. because we're able to, as you know, uh, research is always changing. Mm-hmm. So I think what she saw, this professor, she's like, research and how we practice is always going to be changing, but what won't change is the way they think. So if I can teach them to think mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm regardless of the field that they're in, they're going to be able to solve problems because yeah, they yeah. can think as opposed to just going the answers to. Mm-hmm. So that's, and it's interesting that she and you had that similar, mm-hmm. like, Hey, let's spark curiosity. Yeah. Let's make these individuals lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. And then think about that for a second. Think of all the teachers that you've had and all the classes you've taken and how few took the strategy of, you as a student becoming your own best teacher. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's very, very few. And so, so when I try to get that mantra out in mm-hmm. with, amongst my students, it is, it's different. Yeah. It's they're, they're used to their, the, they're accustomed to just receiving information, memorizing information. Again, is that bad? No, but is that all there is to an educated individual? That's just a, exactly right. Yeah. That's just a real small part of it. Yeah. And so continuing to add, I mentioned the importance of asking questions earlier. Yeah, yeah. It's important for students to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they're going to ask questions that I don't know the answer. And I think that's one of the most valuable learning experiences yeah. for them and for me. Because yeah, if yeah. I don't know the answer, they realize, oh, wow, this, he's, a, you know, he's a dean. Wow, he must know everything. Yeah. Heavens, I don't know he's hardly human. anything. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a human. My, my, yeah. my mind is finite just like theirs. Yeah, yeah. But, but there's a willingness to expand that right. and to grow and to uh, allow a student to become the teacher 
uh, I think that's that's hugely um, important for them. It's hugely meaningful for a student because then they realize they're contributing to the learning process. Yeah. And I think that helps um, turn on that light, if you will. Hey, I, I can I can learn this. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of interested in this. And so I'm going to continue to grow and continue to learn and continue to dig and continue to ask questions. Yeah. And once we get to that point in education, I think we're going to be moving in the right direction. It's, it's tough, though, because I can think I'm trying to think. In my entire educational career, call it, and count on like one, maybe two hands, teachers who evoked that kind of response from me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's tough. And I I can't count how many teachers or professors that I've had in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't I didn't click with school very well Mm -hmm. is I'm my nothing like math, history, none of that stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. It's good to have the knowledge. Mm -hmm. But like what what kind of struck that for me was when I when I was working, mm-hmm. I picked up that, that book. I just said 21 uh, laws of leadership mm-hmm. and I started reading that and I like, couldn't get enough of it and yeah. you just eat it up. And then, yeah. you're, Hey, yeah. what's another book like this? What's another yeah. book? Yeah. And it yeah. evokes that, Hey, I want to learn more about this, yeah. but yeah. they don't, they didn't teach me that in school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. probably what kind of led me to not, not necessarily loving school. I was okay with it, but more with like the people, you know, mm-hmm. I like to hang out with my friends and go to lunch, but sure. I didn't like to go to class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In so, high school, and, Tanner and I, we typically sat by each other if we had a class together. Mm-hmm. And Tanner was the pastor's son. Mm-hmm. So we'd be talking, and Chase always got in trouble because <laughs> mm-hmm. Tanner was the pastor's son. Yeah. So Chase mm-hmm. got sent to the hallway to do his homework in the hallway yeah, that's instead. True. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. was terrible because Chase knew all the answers and Tanner wasn't paying yeah. attention. So. But, but what's great about that story is mm-hmm. that you, you discovered something that you enjoy learning. And yeah. you realize this is important for me. Mm-hmm. And so then you have become your own best teacher. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and to me, uh, an education uh, really should be as broad based as it possibly can be uh, and less n- narrow scoped. And I think we teach too much narrow scoped. We teach too much. Um, you need to memorize this and you need to go through right. this process and then to that experience and then through this. And that's not necessarily a ticket for every student. Mm-hmm. Um, but every student, I think, can have their curiosity peaked. Uh, there's something inherently that they find interesting right and then an educational experience that allows that curiosity to come out Mm. and allows that uh, inquisitiveness to be honed i think that's where we uh, need to go and can go uh, from an education standpoint yeah there's people out there that just want to work on cars that's our favorite thing and that's awesome cool that's be awesome. the best mechanic you can be. be We've talked about that before. Yeah. The best one you keep. And then so so then the formal schooling comes down to, okay, learning to think, learning to communicate, learning to, from a mathematics standpoint a right. little bit. And then, and then the applicability can go just about in any direction. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to Tanner earlier, um, something that I really appreciated, just going to the, our alumni events and our end of year uh, banquets, mm-hmm. uh, your ability to speak, Speak in public. Um, it just seems we've talked before. Seeing an individual in their element, seeing an individual perform something in which they are—it's like wow, that person was made to do that. Mm-hmm. And this makes it more interesting because uh, self-proclaimed introvert, introvert yeah, being awesome. an incredible public speaker. Mm-hmm. How did you get there? Uh, practice is going to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you get to be so comfortable on stage outside of the just? exposure mm-hmm. to it uh practice that's that's going to be one yeah. uh but i um over prepare yeah and i'm um i mentioned a little while ago i could i, I think i would have been a good historian hmm. and and i'm able 
to connect or at least have a desire or passion to connect the past with the present. And so oftentimes when I, um, uh, when I make a, a public presentation, uh, I can think of events or experiences, um, presentations that have occurred in the past and can tie them to whatever it is I'm trying to communicate now. Okay. So it, it just, it's, I think part of that's inherent because I'm high in context or history. Okay. And so, so I over-prepare. Um, I, and I've always done that, whether it be mm. in school, whether it be in athletics, I, I just spent, and I enjoy that part of it. Uh, yeah. I'll be honest with you this morning, I spent a lot of time going over some of my, uh, educational philosophy books and I'd made some notes yesterday and I was going through those and even had yeah. my wife give me some sample questions. Uh, what yeah. do you think they're going to ask? Well, why don't, yeah, you, why don't awesome. you interview me? Why don't you go ahead and so, so I just, I just enjoy that. And right. the, the preparation to me is as enjoyable as the event itself. Wow. So um, why, why do you think that though? Cause I'm the opposite. I, I don't like the, I'd rather just wing it. Cause I'm like, I'll stress myself out overthinking it. So I'd rather just show up and go like, I was going to do this. I wrote down two, three questions. I was like, send it, let's go. I don't <laughs> know. Like I, I'll just, it's a person I'll mm-hmm. talk to him, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I kind of just handle it. Yeah. And so that's who you are as yeah. an individual. And so, and you've already figured that out. And so that's great. Um, some people, I, and I urge my students this as well. Um, when, when, um, Oh, let's see if I had a, uh, oh, you got to write a paper on blank, whatever that is. Um, And it's going to be due eight weeks from now. I probably would have started it that day. Yeah. And then finished it probably within two days. Wow. And then probably fret and fumed and edited it and molded over for the rest of that time. Because I like that. I like that preparation process. Right. And that just, that just relieves (laughs) my stress and it matches kind of who I am and how I can maximize my performance. Right. Whereas it was in your case. I'll wait till the last yeah, now day. It's, it's going to do eight weeks. So you're at seven weeks, six days and you're going to, Oh, maybe I'll start thinking yeah, about this seven weeks, this you know, six and a half days. Hey, yeah. let's start knocking this thing out. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's how you perform the best. Yeah. And that's, and so that's, uh, that's who you are. And again, that's who your personality, yeah. that's what your personality is all about. So great. Yeah. And so get, getting a sense of, uh, that's, that's what I need to do in order to give my best effort in this case, public speaking, I'm just going to prepare early and, right. and, and practice a lot. Yeah. Um, early on, um, it wasn't necessarily my, my cup of tea, I yeah. think to do that. But then I realized it's, it's just simply an extension of what I do in the classroom. And, oh, yeah. and I realize when I'm in the classroom, I can be somebody different. I can be somebody that I'm not because I am very, very quiet, very, mm-hmm. very pensive. Like I said, that's the listening part of me. But when I'm in a classroom, I can, I can do something a little bit different. It's almost like yeah. a little bit of edutainment. Yeah. Uh, you got to be careful, the education part and the entertainment part of it, and <laughs> which, you know, how much is what percentage of what, right. but I can do something that uh, is not necessarily me. And then that is, um, I've done that so many times over the course of, 33 years being in a classroom right. that now when I'm asked to give a presentation or uh, let's say to um, uh, a group of dignitaries, it, it is not intimidating at all for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it is not at all. And, yeah. uh, and I'm, I tend to be very succinct. I don't like to talk a lot because uh, that's my personality. So I, I get to the point um, and I pose some questions, <laughs> uh, pose some ideas and then allow my, uh, the audience to think about things. Right. And it just, it just matches who I am and what I do as a teacher. Yeah. So after that, after you give uh, a speech in public, mm-hmm. after you talk to a group of dignitaries, after you come and speak on a podcast, mm-hmm. do you feel like, okay, I need 
the day to myself to recharge? <laughs> are you able to bounce back pretty quickly from those experiences? No, I can usually bounce back pretty quickly. Okay. Um, and it's almost like uh, using the sports analogy again, uh, when you have a good game. I mean, that's really satisfying. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's that's terribly satisfying. When I was in um, uh, playing football in college, and uh, and if we had an away game and, and I had a good performance, uh, the trip back home to Bozeman was great. I mean, you know, it's just, it just very satisfying. And it's the same kind of thing when I have a present or even a class or whether it be a podcast or a presentation to dignitaries uh, or when I'm asked on occasion to, uh, uh, to offer a sermon at where I go to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, that post-presentation, that post-performance, um, I actually look forward to that because wow. that, that's very satisfying and very relaxing. Right. And, um, and it doesn't take me a long time to wind down. I do need a little bit of downtime. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I get energized not from being around people, but I get energized from kind of being alone or being yeah, with yeah. my family. Yeah. Um, but I know if I've got a responsibility or an opportunity to do so again pretty quickly, I'm I'm good to go with Back that. on it. Yeah. I think the underlying factor is passion. Like yeah. mm-hmm. you're very passionate about schooling and teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and education in, in general. Yeah. yeah. So that's like if you're talking on that, you're already fired oh, up. I'm Let's I'm good go. to go. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't. That's cool. You know, whoever's listening, great. I'm 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 happy yeah, to. I'll tell you. Yeah. I'm happy to share my thoughts and ideas and and tell everybody what's going yeah. on in the college. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking being a good professor, being a good mm-hmm. teacher, being a good mentor, however you want to label it, um, for a current father, current we're both husbands to mm-hmm. beautiful wives. Um, and hopefully Lord willing, I'm a father someday. Mm-hmm. How do you translate that down to being a good father, to being a good husband? Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, you'll hear me say, and I think just about everybody in the college has heard me say this, who knows how many times, um, family first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love what I do professionally. Um, mm-hmm. you've noted I've done this for 33 years. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep going as long as I can, as long as I can be successful at it. Um, but, um, and my students, uh, are important. And, and in fact, I even tell my students that next to my family, uh, they, they have assumed the role of being the most significant people in my life. So, so, so I place what I do professionally very high on my importance list, Right. but that will never usurp my family. Okay. And so, since, and so they're first, yeah. they're, they've always has been first and, and always will be the case. And I mentioned preparation. I love preparing for school. I love preparing for uh, opportunities to um, state what's going on in the college and mm-hmm. to kind of show off the college. Um, but I look even more forward to spending time with my family. Yeah. Um, and uh, I feel very, very blessed. Alex um, um, works works in Lubbock, but he he comes here three days a week. And so we get to spend to Amarillo. Hey, that's cool. And so even, even though he's going to be 32 pretty soon, uh, we could spend a significant amount of time with him mm-hmm. um, on a weekly, literally on a weekly basis. Um, we get to spend time with Emily fairly regularly, even though she's in Austin's a little bit of a travel. Um, and we, we've made it a point to do, um, even since we were married, Brendan and myself, um, we're going to spend time with, with one another. Yeah. Um, things like eating meals is a big deal. I like that. I mean, I like it's a big eating. deal. Yeah. Uh, when Alex is here, uh, hey, Alex, let's go get nine holes of golf in. Uh, even though I'm horrible at it, yeah. um, I don't. I don't care. I don't care if Just I shoot. The time. You know, I don't care sixty for. Well, I do care if I shoot sixty for nine <laughs> holes. Anyway, uh, but I don't care because yeah, we're yeah. together. Um, I mean, any time we can get together, whether it be virtually or, or 
uh, with one another. Yeah. Um, we're going to do that. And I think we've, we've made it a priority and we've been pretty successful as a family yeah. doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge blessing. Yeah, I think that's something a lot of people start to gather as they get a little older in life, like normal people, mm-hmm. as they get 40, 50 years old, they start maybe having a grandchild. Then they're like, man, this time is, it's wow. It's, yeah. yeah. It's important. It's very yeah. important. So if, if you could hear what this man is saying as a younger person and grasp that and say, dude, life is, life is short. Mm-hmm. I've got a three-year-old and a two-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I need to be with those kiddos as much as and, I can. Cause that's mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what makes it the, um, that's part of what makes it so valuable. Uh, if you, if we're sitting here and we knew that we we're going to mm-hmm. live indefinitely, mm-hmm. uh, which our spirits will, um, into eternity, we're like, uh, the time you spend with one another isn't as valuable because there's an infinite amount of it. Mm-hmm. But when you sit back and go, wow, like our time is finite here. And mm-hmm. I think this is funny. And then I came to this realization um, with my dog. I have a half German Shepherd, half Border Collie dog, mm-hmm. and he is like the apple of my eye. Mm-hmm. And part of what makes him so valuable and precious to me is that I know he's not going to be around very long. Mm-hmm. 15 years probably, mm-hmm. if that, mm-hmm. I'm thinking like 15 years max. And so like every time I see him, I'm like, man, like our time is short together and we're already mm-hmm. three years into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of that preciousness, yeah. part of the, what makes it so valuable mm-hmm. is that it's not infinite. Mm-hmm. It is quite finite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah. And having that, having that approach with your family from day one. I think is key. What's the, what's the little mantra that's going around? Uh, there's some little meme I see every once in a while about, about, it's about dogs uh, yeah. and we have dogs. We have a greyhound and we have, um, uh, oh, so cool. we have a uh, part board, um, um, Australian cattle dog, part, uh, German short haired pointer. Okay. Uh, and mm-hmm. then we have two grand dogs. So, so we have a lot of <laughs> right. dogs. There you go. And there's some little meme going around about, um, uh, a child and a child was, uh, the dog or the dog was older, uh, was needed to be uh, euthanized and he had a little boy. Uh, with the dog and asked the vet um, uh, the vet asked if the little boy was going to be okay the, the little boy wanted to be with the dog while it was going to be euthanized and, and the little boy was surprisingly fine with it um, and um, and the vet came to the conclusion or asked the question rather the little boy so why are you so comfortable at this time um, uh, when this event's about to happen and the little boy said um, uh, something to the effect that well dogs uh, have learned to love or learned to love from the very beginning, um, it takes people longer mm. to learn to love. <laughs> and so I'm not saddened with my dog passing because he, his whole life has been filled with love. Yeah. And I, and it goes something along those lines. Yeah. I, I have to paraphrase a little bit. So I apologize for that, but I think there's a solid analogy then with family. Yeah. Uh, you start a family, you have a family, you have different set of responsibilities. Um, start that love now. Yeah. Um, because there's going to be a time uh, when the family can't be together. Right. And you can't get that back. Yeah. Uh, even, even mundane experiences. Yeah. Uh, you might find very meaningful as time marches on. Yeah. yeah. What did my dad call it? The hedonic adaptation. Principle? Hedonic adaptation. Mm-hmm. Like you're normal. You get so used to it. You could have the best of everything, mm-hmm. but that becomes your normal, your baseline. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking for more, looking for more, mm-hmm. looking for more mm-hmm. instead of just being grateful for the day to day stuff, because the day to day stuff is tough. Like you wake up, you mm-hmm. go to work, you, my wife and I, we get off work, we go to the gym, mm-hmm. we get home, we cook dinner, mm-hmm. clean up, mm-hmm. go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's Monday through Friday. Yeah. It's extremely mundane, but it, 
it's together mm-hmm. and yeah, there's something special. special with that. Yeah. 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 You can turn the mundane into something special. Yeah. Um, as long as you're committed to your family and your willingness to be together yeah. and even the mundane things going to the gym for a workout. Well, we've done this four times already this week. And we've done how many times this month? That's fine because uh, one of these days you're not going to be able to have that opportunity. Yeah. And you want one more and you want one more. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of that. So one of my rotations was at, um, Baylor St. Luke's mm-hmm. and the Texas medical center in Houston. Uh, and I worked with stroke patients, spinal cord injury patients, mm-hmm. neurodegenerative diseases, and that's tough. And I called my wife after the first day and she was like, well, how was it? Cause it's like an hour and a half drive back to Galveston, which is terrible, <laughs> especially in Houston. But, uh, she's like, so how was it? And I was like, from a, it wasn't challenging, uh, from a mental standpoint, it wasn't challenging from like a physical standpoint. Mm-hmm. It was challenging. Like from an emotional standpoint, mm-hmm. taking all that on. And I leave there going, we're, it's unfortunate that it takes, um, these experience sometimes to show us how fortunate we really are. Right. Mm-hmm. But I left every day feeling emotionally drained and extremely grateful, mm-hmm. which is odd. Um, leaving mm-hmm. that eight hours a day for 12 weeks. Yeah. So, so what, um, uh, going like towards failure a little bit, mm-hmm. you had some, I mean, everybody has a little bit of failure. Yeah. How do you think that that plays a role in, um, I guess I would say educating people, but how, how would you tie mm. failure to education? Yeah. Yeah. The relationship. That yeah. Relationship. Um, uh, I, I think, um, it, it, I think there's a level of maturity that has to come uh, along or maybe even be built before this takes place. Mm-hmm. But failure can be the most valuable learning tool. Right. Um, and it may be one of the most important things to go through in order to realize and come to the, the conclusion, ah, this is what I need to do. And this is where I need to be. And these are the people I need to be with. Right. Uh, I'll try to give a, a quick example. And I hadn't necessarily thought of using this uh, today, but, um, and I don't like to share the story a whole lot, but probably the biggest um, um, failure I had uh, goes back to when I was, um, student athlete and playing ball. And, uh, like I said, I played football at Montana state and had a great experience played there in 1982, 83, 84. Mm-hmm. Uh, felt very blessed in that we were on the, um, I played on the, what they called one double a at the time FCS now mm-hmm. the national championship team in wow. 1984 for the Montana state Bobcats. Nice. Awesome. Uh, and I love that. It was, it was just an incredible experience. Having grown up in Kansas and go out to Montana to go to school. Yeah. Uh, and then, and play football in that part of the country and, and have that kind of experience and that kind of success was incredible. And, um, not too long thereafter, I found myself in training camp with the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, there you go. Oh, and gosh. so I thought, well, now this is kind of a big deal. Uh, wow. I got, got a pretty good, got a, got a pretty good opportunity going on here and, uh, training camp was going well. Um, they had released uh, a couple, I was a punter. Yep. Um, and so they had released a couple of punters who actually had some NFL experience before they released me. Oh man. And I thought, Oh wow. Okay. This is, this is getting great. Okay, cool. Um, had a great, uh, scrimmage against the, you guys wouldn't be old enough to remember this, the Houston Oilers, Tennessee Titans now. Anyway, yeah, had a great game against them. Uh, then, uh, then I was, um, had a really good game against the Colts. Wow, this is so cool. I didn't okay. know this. That's pretty stellar. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, this is this is kind of cool. It's getting in serious. And anyway, and then so the people in the Seahawks organization were telling some of my coaches in Bozeman that, you know, he's doing a great job. You know, he's got a pretty good chance of uh, making the final roster. And and then they make me the starter. 
Oh, wow. Okay, cool. This is, this is really good. You know, free agent from Montana state and here at the Seahawks NFL. Cool. I never thought this would ever happen. Um, so I was a starter and we played a game in Detroit. Okay, fine. Playing the lines. Uh, warmups went great. Um, felt really good. Uh, Seahawks get the opening kickoff three plays and punt. All right. So I, I didn't really have a chance to get nervous, you know, three plays. and yeah. punt. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so here I go run out in the field. Okay. I'm all good to go. Um, good snap. Uh, take my approach and hit the ball and it didn't you know a punt is actually an onomatopoeic term so in other words when you punt a football correctly the noise it's supposed to make is punt it's like when you snap your fingers oh, say, that, say that word again yeah, yeah. onomatopoeia onomatopoeia yeah, yeah, okay so i followed okay. I, I was like yeah yeah it does make the sound or when you hum sure. a song hmm yeah. that's, that's onomatopoeic so, so oh wow okay, so that's cool. when you do whatever it is you're doing it makes that this, noise. the sound it makes is the word okay that's called and that's yeah. what a punt is so when you when you punt a football it's wow. supposed to sound like punt <laughs> i feel so mind blown yeah. right um and so so anyway when i so uh so i I didn't punt the ball. I funted the ball. It, it made a little bit different noise. And I thought, Ugh. and anyway, so I looked at it and it wasn't horrible, but it sure wasn't, wasn't real good. It wasn't real good. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, that's not too big a deal. It's the fourth play of the game. I'll sure I'll get something else. I'll get another play. No, I, I, no. I had no more punts. I had no more funts. There was, uh, there was no other opportunity. So in a matter literally of two seconds which is about how long a time it takes from to snap the ball and to punt it mm. um and maybe a centimeter that that ball missed placed on my foot right um it was done my career was done i we get in the plane we go back to seattle uh it was on a friday night i remember it's playing his day uh, they gave us saturday off we watched film on f- um, sunday um i knew monday was going to be rough and so monday comes along and monday morning and hear that knock on the door and uh nelson take your playbook and go see coach knox who you've been placed on waivers uh, um, and so boop, i mean literally two seconds in one centimeter it's it's done yeah I mean, wow. it's done um so that was that was a pretty big deal yeah pretty big deal um well how i responded was i already had my master's degree uh, i already had that epiphany about dr thomas saying, uh, here's this position announcement. You want to yep. go be a teacher? Mm-hmm. So I called my advisor at Kansas, Dr. Carol Zebus. Uh, this was, oh, wow, this was late August. I mean, it was that close to the season when I got um, waived. Um, so Dr. Zebus, this is Dirk. I just got waived by the Seahawks. <laughs> no she big said, deal. Oh, I'm so sorry. No <laughs> um, can, I get back, can I go back to Lawrence and get in a, a doctorate program? And literally on the phone, she said, yeah. Oh God! And so now that would never happen. I mean, you know, that would never happen. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on back, and, and we'll get you going. Anyway, so so I I got my car and drove back to Lawrence. Um, got a teaching assistantship, so I started teaching very early. I was a halftime TA throughout my doctorate work in Kansas. Um, and so then, and almost immediately after this significant failure, uh, I was back in my element, right? Practicing and doing and getting ready to what it was meant for me to be, and that is a teacher. Yeah. About a year after that, I was in my lab. Um, actually, it was my office, which was a lab. And uh, <laughs> cool. had, had a desk cool. over in a corner of a room. That's pretty much all it was. <laughs> and uh, there was somebody over at one of the computers was having a really hard time on the computer. Um, I could hear all this you know, keyboard shuffling and mm. kind of 
oh, you know, that kind of that noise. That was me and school. Yeah, 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 this kind of stuff. And so I thought, well, okay. again, my introverted self, okay, she's got it. Um, I don't need to help. But then I thought, well, okay, oh, maybe I better go help. So I went over and looked at her computer screen, and this was in the days of DOS, and it said abort, retry, ignore, abort, retry, ignore, <laughs> abort, retry, ignore, all the way down the screen. And I looked, and I said, you having problems? Anyway, and she looked at me, and I don't even, I can't remember if she said anything. She just looked at me, and I thought, well, you got problems. <laughs> and so then I asked, um, as a good teacher, would, a good teacher would do, I asked a question. I said, have you formatted your disc? Um, again, you all are old. Yeah, that's yeah, way back. Uh, no, I got that one too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. Uh, it's a five, a quarter, five and a quarter inch floppy disk, and you had to format those before you yeah. could use them. And she said no, so I formatted her disk. <laughs> that sounds bad. Yeah, formatted her disk, uh, and just you know, she thanked me and said, you know, you know, good luck. Uh, and then I went back to my desk and did whatever was going on. Um, I can't remember what that was. Maybe a Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. Anyway, so so the subsequent Sunday. Um, I'll go to church, okay? Mm. Man of faith, I'm going to go to church. I went to church, um, sat the back row like I always did. Introvert, I'm not going to bother anybody. I'm just going to the back yeah. and go for the um, service and then leave. Uh, and then some, somebody came up and said, hey, Dirk, how's it going? Yeah, fine, cool. Um, uh, would you mind coming here? There's somebody I want to introduce you to. Mm. I thought, oh, no, oh, no, that's not my deal. <laughs> But I capitulated, I capitulated and said, ah, okay, okay, okay. So, so she said, here, come on up and uh, introduce me to this person. And this person was Rinda. And Rinda happened to be the one whose disc I formatted <laughs> four days before. And yeah. uh, I said, oh, I, I formatted your disc the other day. Uh, and then about a mm, little over a year later, we got married. That's yeah. awesome. So anyway, that's so anyway <laughs> Incredible. had I not been cut from the Seahawks, yeah. I never would have met her. Yeah, that's and we, wild. And we wouldn't have our family. And I have to think, because as you were telling that story, um, as a punter, that's awesome. Playing mm-hmm. in the NFL, that's like a lot of young boys' dreams. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. actually when I was living at this house, I was like, I'm going to be a professional football player. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't feel like you would have had the opportunity to impact as many people as mm-hmm. you do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm not the only one that you've yeah. positively mm-hmm. impacted on their journey. Um and then met your wife. Yeah, so yeah. I think a lot of good. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank bad. you. Thank you for that. And looking yeah. back, um, 36 years ago, yeah. I, I can, I know that now. Yeah. Um, Hindsight's but, but I guarantee you from when I was on that plane, Seahawk one flying back from Detroit to Seattle, yeah. knowing that I was going to get cut. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of hard to say. So how did you bet? Were you just like, all right, it is what it is and hopped back into it. Like, how did you, it seemed like there's a quick transition there between getting cut from an NFL team mm-hmm. and going straight into education. Um, is that just confidence that it's going to work out or is that just, I've got to do it like an internal L- little bit engine? of both. And yeah. I, and I think the the time when I got cut was right before the semesters were starting. I mean, this was real late in the NFL preseason when I got cut and I only had uh, maybe a week uh, to get everything squared up and get back to Lawrence and get things all good to go. And Dr. Zeba's pulling the strings like she did, bless her heart. Uh, And so, so, so so I think, I think part of it was, I don't have time. I don't have time to, I don't, I can't have a pity party. So a sense of urgency. I've got to get this done. I mean, if I'm going to, you know, um, uh, I don't know at the time, honestly, what was plan A and what was plan B. I guarantee you going into the um, Lions game, plan A, plan A was to play for the Seattle Seahawks for about six or eight years. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, hey, and then I'll be teacher after that. Uh, plan yeah. A was d- done just like that. And mm-hmm. so, okay, plan B, I don't have time to 
waste right. on plan B. I've got to do Get this to work. Now. So, yeah. so that I think helped. Uh, yeah. Honestly, um, it was kind of hard getting that close to the final roster and then getting cut. Yeah. But actually, I think it was it was to my benefit because um, yeah. I didn't have time to think about it. I didn't have time to um, oh, complain or moan or sit around yeah. or do whatever. Uh, I needed to get this done. And yeah. so I was going to move forward. And, yeah. That's so, crazy. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. You yeah. see it right mm-hmm. there in that moment. It's in your face. You're like, I just failed huge. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, that... I mean, looking back now, you're like, no, that was exactly what that's, needed that's, to happen. That's what was supposed to happen. And that's part of what we, we've had the same conversation. Is mm-hmm. Sometimes looking back, you're like, oh, that was God's hand all mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. just moving it around. Yeah. But in that moment, you're like, man, head down low. Just, oh, yeah. I just failed yeah. big time. Mm-hmm. This was my dream, but it's not his. It's his, at the end of the day, what it's what plan. he wants. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I enjoy helping others, uh, and that's how I get satisfaction. Um, yeah. I. Uh, to me, it, it's satisfying. My professional goal is not to climb the corporate ladder, but to be the ladder that other people can climb. I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. I like and so word. I enjoy serving others. And in, in my prayer life, I enjoy praying on behalf of others. But there are times when I when I will pray for myself. I, it comes across almost a little bit selfish. But it's a simple prayer, and it's simply, uh, here my Lord, send me. Yeah. And when I let that go and let him take care of it, it's uh, the answers become a lot more clear. Yeah. And take some pressure off. Oh, absolutely. Because you feel a lot of pressure, but I got you, I, we get to the point where like you understand how incapable you are Mm -hmm. and how dependent you are on God. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they say like farmers and ranchers are the closest, closest people to God. And I'm like, yeah, you're completely, that's the physical, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. the physical version of that belief of that faith. Yeah. So I've got a couple of things. Uh, you mentioned sitting at the back of the classroom mm-hmm. and they say it like, I think they may have said it, said it at new student orientation, like sit at the front of the class. Like that's where <laughs> you're going to learn the most. Mm-hmm. And I never have mm-hmm. like high school, college, mm-hmm. even a graduate school. I sit in the back left corner of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you said it was because you're introverted. Mm-hmm. I don't really know why I did it. I just didn't like being at the front of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would be, what is your experience as a professor mm-hmm. with individuals who sit at the back of the classroom? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there are studies that would, <laughs> might refute what I'm about to say, or they might affirm what I'm about to say. Um, I don't think that where a person sits makes a big difference. Yeah. I, I just really don't. Now, what I do think makes a difference, in fact, what I know makes a difference, because I've done some studies on this, and I've uh, published some papers on it. Okay. Uh, and that is being there. Yeah. Now, where you are, this sounds strange, where you are, while you are there, um, I think mental. Is, means uh, a whole lot less than being there, yeah. than the fact of being there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, uh, part of, uh, even to this day, part of the grade that my students receive is predicated upon attendance. And I have them do some kind of activity every day uh, and it's usually writing i'm real type a about writing i mean the yeah. physical process of writing i think is important um and it may be just a short answer to some little question it might be some kind of opinion there may be a right or wrong i may have them pull out their devices and look up um risk factors for you fill in the blank kind of condition mm-hmm. and that's fine and then share them with everybody in class trying to make them active participant in class mm-hmm. and i think that's really really important uh but i think literally being there and i try to put that like i said put that carrot in front of them uh, you know 10 percent of your grades predicated on attendance and i take attendance every day um 
I think there's something to be said for that. And, and yeah. I think you can participate at the front of the class, at the back of the class. I think you can participate in a lot of different ways. Uh, and that, that depends or that's determined by that individual's personality. Yeah. Uh, you can participate without saying anything. Uh, mm-hmm. You can participate mentally without saying anything. Um, and that may be most meaningful for that individual student. So where a student sits uh, yeah. just doesn't phase me a bit. Yeah. The Being fact there. that they're there yeah. is cool. important to me. Um, and this, again, this is another true story. I haven't missed a day of school due to illness since 1974. God, dude. <laughs> That's the immune system of a squirrel. So I was, uh, <laughs> I was, I was in sixth grade. It was wow. the last time I missed a day of school due to illness. Wow. Yeah. So being there is kind of important to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and I think if a student is just literally there, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. yeah. And I saw it. Um, so my grandparents paid for my college, mm-hmm. uh, which that that brings up another topic of conversation that we can bring up down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but that made it doable for me, whereas other people, it may have been like, uh, I kind of on the fence. Mm-hmm. It costs money. Not going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I learned the value of a dollar pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an allowance system set up at the house and the more you did, the more you got paid mm-hmm. as a general rule. There's a baseline, but the more you did, if my dad really appreciated it, he showed you that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned the value of a dollar at a really young age and I would like save up for something like the first big thing I saved up for was an iPhone. I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, um, I remember like sweeping the barn and like mowing mm-hmm. the lawn, mm-hmm. uh, all summer and then mm-hmm. got a lump sum of money. I was like, I can buy that. You got it. Yeah. Um, and then that translated over to this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was treating that like it was my own money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be paying for this, I want to get as much out of it as I can. So mm-hmm. I went to class, right. but yeah. that was my, from the student perspective mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you got me, dude. Yeah. You. <laughs> Carry on. But that was all I had to say about that. Yeah. Tuition's a lot different now. Um, than it was when I was going to school. Yeah. Um, and a lot of things. Yeah. yeah and, and, and paying for education is, is an enormous and it's actually a very complex issue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, you could, uh, state appropriations continue to go down and have gone down for a long, long time. And so when state appropriations go down, tuition has to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, uh, it's important to recruit students and it's important to retain students. So a yeah. lot of universities have gotten into, uh, upgrading facilities and trying to make facilities nice and new and modern. And that's attractive for students. But mm-hmm. when you make facilities nice, new and modern for students, it costs, students, costs, it costs money. money. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, I'll give you an example. Had I been a resident of the state of Texas in 1980 when I finished high school and came to West Texas state university, uh, a year's worth of tuition and fees, $442. <sighs> yeah, I was going to say, I was reading you. somewhere that like back in like anything before like 1980, it was like, you work for like two summers and you can afford college. Like you, that was it. And now it's like, you have people taking out loans and struggling with debt for years and years on end. And they just, you know, obviously yeah. they get a, get over yeah. it eventually, but no, it used I, to be two summers. Absolutely. I think that's, that's absolutely summers. a good and, example. Uh, I could work and I worked for the school district back home in a summer and you could save up enough money. Uh, that could just about get you through that school year. 
Wow. And that's that's not the that's case not. now. I mean, that yeah. is just not the case now. And what's frustrating is some people are going to sit there and argue, well, it's inflation. Well, it's not to scale. When you look at like yeah. price mm-hmm. of gas, price of milk, price of eggs, price of bread, price, price of college. Mm-hmm. College, I think I did this when I was an undergrad because I was just curious. Um, it's like 450% higher than the other than compared mm-hmm. to the others and i'm mm-hmm. sure it's even more now which mm-hmm. is ridiculous so like inflation is not the case there's other things at play there yeah and yeah. it's it's frustrating to me um even as a student who just went through all the schooling um that some and there's some degrees i feel like i'm gonna go there i feel like there are some degrees that are worth more than others that you can mm-hmm. do more with mm-hmm. and i think it's a shame when some degrees get sold to students and the students don't have high odds of, and th- a lot of this comes down to the student and having mm-hmm. extreme, yeah. extreme ownership in it. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, it's a, if it's not up to the college for me to get a job, it's up for me to get a job. Mm-hmm. But it's frustrating to me that these, some degrees are getting sold to these students. They're getting in massive amounts of debt and then they're not able to come out from underneath it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that was my most frustrating <clears throat> thing looking at the education mm-hmm. system. Yeah. I hope I can get this analogy right. Uh, what was it? Uh, John Kennedy way back in the ways, uh, back in the day said something along the lines, ask not uh, what your country can do for you, rather what can you do for your country? Mm-hmm. And I urge students now, uh, prospective students, um, you know, don't, don't ask um, what your degree can do for you. Ask what you can do with your degree. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a different approach of looking yeah. at it. Yeah. Uh, some people would argue that, um, uh, colleges and universities have become too specialized. Uh, you look okay. at the, uh, in fact, a lot of college universities now, oh, we got 87 programs as a baccalaureate student. You have 56 as a master's candidate. And some people will look at that and say, that's too many. Uh, it's, it's, it's become too specialized. Yeah. And so, um, then what's, what's a university education all about? A university, literally the etymology of the word university means the whole. So you should learn a broad range of things. Yeah. Uh, there should be a freedom of discourse, a freedom of discussion, a freedom of inquiry and a, and a freedom to teach. Uh, but with all those freedoms come responsibility. Yeah. And I think as a student, they have a responsibility for their own learning. Like yeah, we were talking absolutely. about earlier. I agree. And then concomitantly, I think as a student, they have a responsibility of finding out what can they do based on the experiences they had, yeah. the whole experience that they had, mm-hmm. not just within the scope of a particular program of study. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't feel like all deans see it that way. Um, I think you have a great view on it uh, and mm-hmm. like, Hey, this is, if you're going to be successful, it's up to you. Yeah. Um, we're going to help you as much as we can. Mm-hmm. We're going to get you on fire for learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but past that, like you're only here for four years. You're not here for the rest of your life. Yeah. So at some point yeah. you're going to have to take over the wheel. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah that's right. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to be driving that learning and you're mm-hmm. going to be responsible for your learning. And that goes way yeah. beyond whenever you get your degree right. or whatever that is from here or wherever the case it might be. Absolutely. Carry you yeah. on in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to get people passionate about what they need to be passionate that's about. That's right. And that's everybody's right. different. That's what and every, we talk And everybody's about. different. Yeah. Everybody's and you, different. And you want everyone to be different. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's the big, you can dice this up however you want to. Um, I think the big thing, like Democrat, Democrats versus Republicans, that's a big thing mm-hmm. in our world, in our country right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard a compelling argument on the benefit of having both. And the way it was described was if you have a problem you are inherently incapable of solving it on your own so you need someone else different Mm -hmm. to help you solve that problem Mm -hmm. and that's where the whole conservative and liberal there's good from both sides Mm -hmm. and that's that's when a better idea can potentially form Mm -hmm. 
Um, so being appreciative of people with different, different strengths, yeah. showing, showing courtesy and dignity and respect, mm-hmm. uh, I think is an important mindset to have for anybody going into any situation. Um, we talked a moment ago about good ideas come from a lot of ideas, mm-hmm. uh, and all, all ideas are not necessarily going to be good. Um, and even if they're bad or they're antithetical to you based on your worldview, whatever the case mm-hmm. might be, I think it's important that a person still shows courtesy, dignity, and respect. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I think we've lost that. Yeah. Uh, we've yeah. lost that. It's, it's hard to have uh, a discourse uh, between individuals, whether it be individuals or groups of people whose worldviews differ, yeah. Uh, yeah. whose values differ. Uh, and I think that's I think that's unfortunate. Uh, I think one of the one of the aspects of of um, any organization um, in any industry is utilizing uh, and uh, capitalizing on the strengths and talents and abilities and perspectives and v- worldviews of a wide range of people. Yeah. And as soon as you start snuffing out this fifty percent or that fifty percent, I like that. You're, I like you're missing you that. you're missing out on opportunities. Yeah. yeah. It's just hard for people now to have a grown-up conversation. All the respect is gone, gone. out the window. Mm-hmm. It's you're you're wrong, and I'm right. And the whole purpose of a discussion—I don't want to say the whole purpose. That's um, pretty a pretty broad term. I would say an overwhelming amount of the purpose for discussion is to come to a better idea. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You have your idea. I have my idea. Um, and we like to say, uh, let's throw our ideas in the water and mm-hmm. see if they can swim. Um, if it doesn't swim, hey, now you know that that idea wasn't valid. Right. Mm-hmm. And I adopt your idea. Mm-hmm. Or in a perfect setting, both ideas come together and produce a better idea. Mm-hmm. And now you're both better off because mm-hmm. of it. Uh, but yeah, we've and, lost and, it, uh, the ability to see the appreciation in that. Yeah, and uh, the, the combination of listening and showing respect mm-hmm. uh, would go a long way. Yeah. A long way to solving that dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was from a book, Think Again by Adam Grant. Um, what was it? Go a long way. I just totally blanked on it. Um, we'll keep going. It may come back to me. Dang it. I hate it when that happens. Can you say that again? Um, we may have to go back and listen to it for it to come back. To <laughs> My me. last comment it was something along the lines yeah. of com- combining uh, uh, listening and showing respect. Yeah. Dang it. Lost it. A good thing out the happen. window, man. I was like so caught up in remembering the name of the book and the author that I forgot the Because <laughs> uh, when we recorded the last time, that's what he couldn't remember was the, the author. <laughs> and he was like, what's the author's name? <laughs> so now you got hung up on that one. <laughs> yeah, I got hung up on that. We'll keep going, though. It may come back to me. Opportunity for a new idea better being respectful. Oh, 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 you. So before you have a conversation with somebody, <laughs> golly, I'm glad this came to me. Cause I legit would not be able to go to sleep tonight if it didn't come back to me. Um, if, if you're going to have a conversation with someone that, you know, they see the world completely opposite mm-hmm. that you do, what he suggested is, Hey, are you willing to see things in a different light? Mm-hmm. Um, or, is there anything that I could say that would convince you otherwise? Mm-hmm. And if they answer no, there's no point in having the conversation mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. one, it's a waste of breath and yeah. it's a waste of time. Yeah. But if they say yes, that gets pretty exciting yeah. mm-hmm. because they say yes. And you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Or, or you can say, what evidence, is there any evidence that would compel you to think otherwise? And mm-hmm. if they say no, yeah. no you just ditch yeah. it. If they say yes, it's like, 
oh man, Let's go. something yeah. exciting yeah. is about to happen. Yeah, so. right. No, I think that's a great point. Or going into it with uh, an openness to be willing to learn. Yeah. Growth. Because you can grow. You can you <laughs> yeah. can learn from somebody yeah. whose worldviews, whose perspectives are completely different to yours, uh, but you can still come away showing respect. And, right. and as opposed to getting vapor lock and, well, they're on that side of the political spectrum, so I'm yeah, not going to yeah. listen to them, or yeah. that viewpoint's on this side of the political spectrum, so that's obviously uh, not going to work. Yeah. Um, maybe it won't, but, but why not be willing to listen and to learn and to think about your perspectives and to think about that other person's perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, and then maybe come to the consensus ultimately that, well, we're going to disagree, but, uh, but wow, can't we at least show respect to one another? Thank you for your insight. I don't, I disagree. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time, the same guy, he said something, uh, something along the lines of a binary bias occurs where it's Mm -hmm. either this or this. And in reality, the truth falls somewhere in between. Right, right. Um, and I'm not going to give examples because that could get pretty uh, controversial mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know you're on this side of the spectrum. You know they're on that side of the spectrum. Well, in the reality, the quote-unquote truth is probably in between what both of y'all are thinking, mm-hmm. which is that idea that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah. But when you, get to, when you just get back to being able to have the conversation with people, yeah. which is kind of one of the underlying deals of the podcast, yeah. is being able to talk to you guys and sit down mm-hmm. and go, what's your opinion? What's your opinion? Because Chase and I don't have the same opinion on schooling, mm-hmm. yeah. but at the, at the end of the day, there's it's the truth kind of somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Depends on what you want to do, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, at the end of the day, you got to be able to sit down and have the adult conversation and then form your own opinion, mm-hmm. not take your parents' opinion or friends' TV. opinion, TV, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. all these mm-hmm. other things that influence us. Yeah. Facebook's opinion, mm-hmm. definitely don't take that one. Yeah. But just form your own opinion and grow at, you know, as you go through life. Mm-hmm. And the more willing. you willingly form that opinion and the more effort you put into forming that opinion, the more... Uh, the more confident you'll be in that opinion, right. like mm-hmm. an earned confidence type mm-hmm. of yeah. thing. Like, yeah. hey, I, I came across this one individual and she was like, I shouldn't have to do any research to have an opinion. And I was like, okay, to a certain degree, yeah, you have freedom of thought. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. going to get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to stand your ground on that, you need to have something to predicate it on, mm-hmm. something to base yeah. it off mm-hmm. of. Get it back it up. Um, and earn, earn that confidence yeah. in that mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. takes the curiosity of... Um, life the mm-hmm. willingness to learn new things like mm-hmm. you're talking about mm-hmm. yep. um, be willing to grow yep. Yep. so wrapping it all up mm-hmm. um i think my biggest takeaway and you can give your biggest takeaway and seth if you want to hop in on this sure. um stay curious absolutely let that curiosity mm-hmm. yep. drive you to learn more mm-hmm. i think that's my biggest takeaway yep. from everything yep. yeah i would be pretty similar like if you find your passion Mm-hmm. That's going to drive you to want to learn about it even more. Yep. And that's the whole essence of education, yep. right? Yep. Take your, make yourself become the teacher, if you will. Learning is a journey. It's yeah. not a destination. Yeah. It's a journey. You have a big takeaway, Seth? Yeah. I think that uh, on some other episode, somebody mentioned it, and I was reminded of it today where somebody said the failure was not fatal. And obviously with mm-hmm. everything failing that you had, that we went on with and uh, you ended up finding your now wife, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty proof mm-hmm. that I mean, the failure is not fatal, and then good things can come from failure regardless. Yeah. So we shouldn't lose hope whenever we do fail. Yeah, do fail. And I yeah. can't say definitively, but I would like to think that you impacted more people positively as the as a essential element to many universities, colleges, um, and a dean at the univer- at West Texas A and M yeah. than you would have as a punter. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and that's not dogging punters at all. Oh, no. That, by yeah, any means. Yeah. Being an NFL punter is you're awesome. Still like, I, I yeah, still think that would be yeah. a seriously cool gig. Like I said, to have a few um, years of saying, hey, I'm a professional athlete, yeah. I, I would have been okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It would have been cool. We still made it. That's what's cool. Well, man, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for asking. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's been fun. great. Yeah, we wish everybody the, the best. Wish We appreciate the wisdom. Man. Sure. Mm-hmm.